Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Abel's like, here's my best. Cain's like, well, here's what's not totally rotten. Okay, this is passable. But you're God. It's not like you need food anyways. So here's what I have. I'm just going to give you not what... It doesn't cost me anything to give you this. That's no way to sacrifice to God. And that's no way to worship God. We give him our best. We give him our best. From the first fruits is what he's saying. Really, this isn't anything other than like, do you trust God? What does tithing to God look like on a daily basis? Today, Pastor James compares the story in Numbers to another story in the Bible about two brothers named Cain and Abel. Cain had a heart that wanted to give God based on what was convenient to him, while Abel gave the best of the best. The question at the end of the day isn't how much do I give, but how much do I trust God? God wants the best of the best when it comes to your offerings, and he wants you to give with a joyful heart that's full of trust. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Numbers chapter 15 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Let's get into the book of Numbers. We got two chapters tonight. They're a little lengthy, but there's some really good stuff. One is a reminder. One chapter, chapter 15, is going to be a reminder. Uh, if you've been walking with us through the Word, which is what we do, we start at the beginning, we go all the way through. Uh, not really in that order, because uh, we kind of bounced around a little bit, but we've, we've gone through Exodus, we've gone through Leviticus, we're going through Numbers, and last week we looked at the fact that the children of Israel had the opportunity to go into the Promised Land, and they rejected it, okay? There was two who were like, not counting Moses and Aaron, who I'm sure were like, can we please go? Like, because I don't want to be, Moses for sure was probably like, I don't want to be the boss of you guys anymore. Like, I'm tired of being your leader, right? Like, Moses was a tremendous guy, but we'll see in these two chapters where it's just like, ah, there's... That he's one guy, like, if you can map out some time in eternity, which I'm sure you can because you have eternity, to sit and talk with somebody, I'm going to go find Moses and be like, dude, what was that like? Like, how in the world did you maintain sanity for so long? Like, oh, these, it's fun. Children of Israel, it's just fun. Anyways, they blew it. They didn't trust God. They rejected his word. They rejected his promise. They did not have faith in God. They did it. Ten spies were like, we can't go. There's giants. Which we know from the other parts of the scriptures where the Lord's like, I look at the enemy as if they're grasshoppers. But the ten spies were like, to us, we look like grasshoppers to the enemy. And it's like, your perspective is wrong. How many promises are we missing out on because of our perspective? It's just off. We're not trusting God. I hope I'm not missing out on any promises or promised blessings because I just don't trust God. So it was a good lesson to learn last week. And the fact that, and then at the end of that, we looked at the end of chapter 14, where they finally were like the next day, the children of Israel were like, all right, let's go to battle. Let's go take it. Let's just go take the promised land. Most like too late. And then what they tried to accomplish in their flesh only ended up in failure because you cannot obtain the promises of God through the flesh. Not possible. Okay. 
So that brings us to chapter 15, where the Lord is going to use Moses to remind, not really the the ones who kind of missed out, but the next generation. When you get to the promised land, because it's still the promise. It's still the promise. God hasn't reneged on that at all. He's like, you're still going to go back to the land that I have given you. So chapter 15, verse 1, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. When... You finally settle in the land I'm giving you. You will offer special gifts as pleasing aroma to the Lord. So when you do, because, and that's the thing, it's your, this is going to happen, not for the older generation, but for the new generation. The older ones, they already have another promise, and that's, they're going to die. They're going to die in the wilderness, which can I, I'll take the promised land over the promise of dying in the wilderness, right? Like, can I just go back to that? No, you, you kind of already disqualified yourself. But for the new generation, when you get there, God says, you will offer special gifts as a pleasing aroma to the Lord. What? You're going to worship me. When you get there, when the promise is realized, make time to thank God and worship him. Okay? This is where you pause and reflect. Has he answered a prayer in your life? And when he answered that prayer, did you stop and say, thank you? And did you worship him? If not, do that. Okay, you got to do that. We got to get in the habit of that. Sometimes we're praying, 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 Lord, deliver me from the storm, deliver me from the storm, deliver me from the storm. And then the storm stops and we're like, whoo, all right, just don't bring another one, right? And it's like, no, stop and say, thank you, Lord, for answering my prayers. I've had to go back. I, I try to, I'm a horrible journaler. Um, I have like a, a thousand journals and only like a few pages are written in each one of them, right? I'm just really ADD in all areas of my life, okay? If I put them all together, I'd have like probably a complete journal. But I write down stuff, and, and mostly in my Bibles nowadays, and just prayer requests, prayer requests. And I was even looking back on some prayer requests we had three years ago and how the Lord has answered those prayers. And I'm like, what, did I stop and celebrate that? Did I, did I thank, I, I'm sure I thanked him, but did I like worship him? And as a result of that, so going through this chapter and stuff, get really convicted when you look back at some of those old prayer requests and you're like, oh man, Lord, if, if I didn't, I'm sorry, but here's my praise. Here's my offering to you today. Uh, and the good thing about the Lord is he's so gracious, so compassionate, slow to anger. And he's not like, you know, he's not that guy who's like, you know, Every time you show up, he's like, you got something to say? You got something to say? Like, you, did you forget something? You forget something, <laughs> right? He's like, you forgot, but it, it'll click eventually, right? And, it's just, and when it does click, it's like, oh, wait, he answered, a, he answered one of my prayers. I, I need to worship him. I need to praise him for that. But this is what he's telling the generation. This is what you're going to do. He says these gifts will form, uh, will take the form of a burnt offering, a sacrifice to fulfill a vow, a voluntary offering. That's all it is. It's a voluntary offering is what it is. When you get there, I'm recommending that you give a voluntary offering, okay? Like, you need to do this, but it needs to be voluntary. It's got to come from your heart. It has to come from your heart. It says, for an offering at any of our annual festivals, uh, continue on through verse 3, and they may be taken from your herds of, your cat, of the cattle or your flocks of sheep and goats. When you present these offerings, you must get, also give the Lord a grain offering of two quarts of choice flour mixed with one quart of olive oil. I'm reading from New Lewin Translation because it 
uses words I understand and measurements I understand, okay? I studied from a different translation this week, and I'm like, what am I reading? Like, what? Is, this isn't even metric. Like, I don't even know what these words are. Um, anyways, 20 years of reading and studying the Bible, and I'm like, just give me the simplest version, please, right? <laughs> like, just give me the, just, let's dumb it down for me, God. Like, not that the New Living Translation is that. It's a beautiful translation. I love it, and specifically for this. One quart of olive oil. Thank you. I get that. Five. For each lamb offered as a burnt offering or a special sacrifice, you must also present one quart of wine as a liquid offering. If the sacrifice is a ram, give a grain offering of four quarts of choice flour mixed with a third of a gallon of olive oil. Give a third of a gallon of wine as a liquid offering. This will be a pleasing aroma to the Lord. So there's going to be a lot of sacrifice stuff, right? Just hold on. When you present a young bull as a burnt offering or as a sacrifice to fulfill a vow or as a peace offering to the Lord, you must also give a grain offering of six quarts of choice flour mixed with two quarts of olive oil. Give two quarts of wine as a liquid offering. This will be a special gift, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Each sacrifice of bull, ram, lamb, young goat should be prepared in this way. Follow these instructions with each offering you present. All you native-born Israelites must follow these instructions when you offer a special gift as a pleasing aroma to the Lord. And if any foreigners visit you and live among you and want to present a special gift as a pleasing aroma to the Lord, they must follow these same procedures. A native-born Israelite and foreigners are equal before the Lord and are subject to the same decrees. Okay? This is a permanent law for you to be observed from generation to generation. The same instructions and regulations will apply both to you and the foreigners living among you. Here's the deal. The word of God doesn't change. And and what he instituted back with this original generation, and he let them know, if you want to worship me, this is how you worship me. God sets the definition and the parameters for worship. Now, what I love about that is, different things can equate to worshiping God. It's not just about singing songs. It's about how you live your life. So yes, singing songs is an element of worshiping God. And there's a way he wants that done. There's a way he doesn't want that done. Making crafts for people in nursing homes is an act of worship. There's a way he wants that done. And there's a way he doesn't want that done. Really getting down to it, it's it's our hearts that are in it. Because you can build crafts for thousands of people in nursing homes. But if your heart's not right, you just made a bunch of crafts. And I hope that made you happy, maybe helped your heart a little bit. But if your heart's not in it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. That's not worship to God. And it's certainly not worship he wants to receive. So he's instructing a new generation about the same principles he's already established. He's like, new generation, you guys think differently. I'll, I'll change the rules. He's like, nope. You want to worship me? This is how it goes. This is how it goes. We need to find a new way. No, we don't need to find new ways. We just need to go back to the Bible and just honor what he's already said. And that's what he's just reminding them, letting this, these, this new generation know. Whether it's native-born Israelites or foreigners who are with you. And by the way, there were foreigners who were with them, who came with them from Egypt. It's like, it doesn't matter. There's not different rules for you and different rules for you. It's all the same rules. You worship me like this. So he lays down these instructions. Now, here's a little bit about where we get introduced into some first fruits type stuff. Verses 17 through 21. The Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. 
when you arrive in the land where I'm taking you, the promised land, and you eat crops that grow there, you must set some aside as a sacred offering to the Lord. Present a cake from the first of your flour, of the flour you grind, okay? And set it aside as a sacred offering, as you do with the first grain of the threshing floor. Throughout the generations to come, you are to present a sacred offering to the Lord each year from the first of your ground flour. So this is the first. God deserves the first, the best, the best. He deserves the best. Like, we, we're really good at, like, presenting God, because he is so gracious and kind, our leftovers. And that's not, that's not good. That's, that's the story of Cain and Abel. Right? Abel's like, here's my best. Cain's like, well, here's what's not totally rotten. Okay? This is passable. But you're God. It's not like you need food anyways. So here's what I have. I'm just going to give you not what. It doesn't cost me anything to give you this. That's no way to sacrifice to God. And that's no way to worship God. We give him our best. We give him our best. The, from the first fruits is what he's saying. Really, this isn't anything other than like, do you trust God? Do you trust him? And in an agriculture type uh, community that heavily depended upon every crop that came through, to give God the first was committing a, a tremendous amount of trust in a God, in, in a God that they, that they worshiped and they believed in. So he's just saying, like, give first. Give me the first. Why? Well, because if you go back into Leviticus, he already told them, if you stay committed to me, if you worship me, I'll bless you in ways you can't even imagine. I'll take care of all your needs. Just stay faithful to me. So it shouldn't have ever been an issue, but it is sometimes, right? To give the, the Lord the first. Look, I'm trying to be as transparent with you guys as possible. Um, I was a horrible tither. Still, I'm still wanting to get better at tithing. But early on in my Christianity, oh, I was bad. I was really bad. I was, I was giving him like the last and, and, it, and sometimes not even that. And he convicted me of that. And he was like, what, you know, it wasn't ever bad, but it was just like, you don't trust me. And I was like, you're right. I don't. I don't. I, I'm trying to solve all these issues that I have in my own strength. And I'm not getting anywhere. In fact, I'm going in the opposite direction at a rapid pace. He's like, yeah, won't you give me the first? It's like, oh, Lord. Um, and praise God, I have a godly wife who is like, no, that's what we're going to do. I'm like, okay, <laughs> okay. Here, I'm a pastor. You should, no, you, you never, you always trust, right? And I'm like, no, I don't. I don't. I'm getting better at it, I think. Um, I, don't, I don't know, but I'm growing. I'm growing to where now it's like my wife and I are looking at ways to where it's like, how can we give more to other things? We don't have the margin financially to do that. It's not our money. It's the Lord's. He's given it to us. Whatever we have only because only happens because it's what he's, he's blessed us with. So we're part of that trusting and growing and seeing him come through and come through and come through. It's like, okay, how can we keep testing him on this? Right? Malachi, right? Malachi talked about that. Like, He's like, hey, that's the only time God's ever invited us to test him is with, is with finances. That's the only time. And he's like, try me, test me. And we're like, I don't want to. <laughs> that's the one we should be going for, right? Like, 
I'll, I'll test you on all this other stuff. Like He's like, no, no, no. Try me. Give me the first fruits. Give me the first fruits. Okay. So he, he lines that out for these guys. Now he's going to talk about two different types of sins. Okay. Sins of omission and sins of commission, meaning this sins that were not intended and sins that are just flat out rebellion, right? Like two different things. He has to address these with this new generation. 22. Suppose you intentionally, or I'm sorry, unintentionally, omission, uh, fell to carry out all these commands that the Lord has given you through Moses. And suppose your descendants in the future fail to do everything the Lord has commanded through Moses. If the mistake was made unintentionally and the community was unaware of it, the whole community must present a young bull for a burnt offering as a pleasing aroma to the Lord. It must be offered along with its prescribed grain offering and liquid offering with a male goat, one male goat, sorry, for a sin offering. With it, the priest will purify the whole community of Israel, making them right with the Lord, and they will be forgiven, for it was an unintentional sin, and they have corrected it with their offerings to the Lord, the special gift and the sin offering. The whole community of Israel will be forgiven, including the foreigners living among you, for all the people uh, were involved in the sin. This is one person's sin of omission. You're like, wait a minute, the whole community? Yeah. Yeah, the whole community. Why? Because it's one body. Because it's one body. We like to think we live in isolation. You do not live in isolation as a Christian. You don't. We're all connected. So if one member of the body is out, even if it's just unknowingly doing something that is sinful and gets corrected of that, it would be wise for the whole body to come around and be like, you know what? Let's just all offer an offering. Let's just, we, why? Because that member of our body is near and dear to us. So instead of doing what the church typically does, which is like, oh, that finger was out there sinning unknowingly, chop it off. Get that finger out of here. Never want to see that finger again. Well, wait a minute. What if the whole body just was like, you know what we should all do? Let's just all offer an offering of repentance and sacrifice to restore the one finger that we still kind of need and we want. Church has gotten really good at amputation. At amputation. Cut it off. That dude's a sinner. Cut him off. Cast him out. Well, wait a minute. Like, what if that guy's a sinner and he doesn't realize what he's doing is sin? Isn't it up to the, the mature believers to come alongside him gently? As I've read through the book of Galatians before, to come alongside them and say, hey, can I share with you something? What you're doing is not honoring to God. You shouldn't be doing that. This is the right way. And I'm going to walk with you in repentance. Well, let's both offer a sacrifice of, of repentance. Why? Because I'm one step away from sinning myself. Like when you have this awareness of like, yeah, it affects the whole community. That changes the way you do church. And that changes the way how you relate to other people. We're no longer on a pedestal looking down at other people who don't get it like we do. We're all on the same level. We're all on the same level. And the, the church doesn't need more amputations. It needs more healing. It, it needs more conviction. It needs more repentance. It needs more holiness. More holiness. Not like, oh, no, they're going to make us look bad. We look bad. Like, I mean, we're the bride of Christ. Yeah, I mean, from his perspective, from the world, it's like, 
we're just messed up people. Who are we trying to impress? Nobody. Nobody. We serve an audience of one, and his name is Jesus. And he looks at you like like one of his own, imperfect, covered by his blood. So his opinion is the only one that matters. But we all know we're messed up. And we all know there's people in here, Thursday nights, Sunday mornings. They have issues. Some of them are what we would label as sins of commission ignorantly because we're making assumptions. But that person may not even realize. How could they not realize that? You don't know their business. Like, treat it as like, hey, I don't know if you know this or not. Like, that's how it's always been my preferred way of handling those types of things. When I was doing youth ministry for so long. And you'd have parents come to you and be like, can you please talk to my kid? Because they're sinning, right? And I won't tell you how, but so then I would, was able to come alongside them, aside them and say like, hey, I don't know if you know this or not. I'm just going to assume we're dealing with something of omission. Now, in and through talking with people, you can realize really quickly if it's an omission or a commission kind of a deal, right? If it's unintentional or intentional. But give them the benefit of the doubt. And maybe they don't know. And it's your job, your responsibility, our responsibility, to come alongside them and say, hey, I don't know if you know this, but the Bible actually says you can't do that. Oh, what? Well, I don't like that. Well, hey, you got to take it up with him. He wrote the book, right? But it's what it says. And we're trying to live our lives according to what it says. Sometimes that means we got to stop doing stuff. Unintentionally. Definitely intentionally. That's got to stop. Like, that's, there's no excuse for that. In fact, we're going to see that in a second. But he goes on, verse 27. If one individual commits an unintentional sin, the guilty person must bring a one-year-old female goat for a sin offering. The priest will sacrifice it to purify the guilty person before the Lord. And that person will be forgiven. These same instructions apply both to native-born Israelites and to foreigners living among you. Look, if it's a sin of, like, you didn't know it was a sin, guess what? There's forgiveness for that. There's forgiveness. Praise God for that. Praise God. And praise God for the Holy Spirit who dwells inside of us, who is constantly, if you're asking him to, like, Lord, if there be any way in me, right, that is contrary to what he does really well at searching through the deep, dark crevices of your wicked heart. He's like, oh, you want to talk about some stuff? Okay, well, let me bring up this. And you're like, oh, I didn't even know that was there. Uh, He's like, yeah, it's been there. It's been there for a long time. And that's just the stages of growth that we go through, right? And if we ever think that we're sin-free, then that means you're in heaven and you're in the presence of Jesus, okay? The work of the Holy Spirit is done. He has sanctified you and perfected you, right? And then there you go. Enjoy eternity. Go find Moses and hang out with him for a while. Now the sins of commission. Here's the flip side to this. But those who brazenly violate God's will, these are rebels, okay? Brazenly arrogantly defy God in his family. These are the children of Israel, okay? Now, we can talk about what that means and all that good stuff for salvation purposes and all that stuff, but these are, this is a message to his chosen people. If there are those within you or who are within the group who are brazenly violating God's will, whether native-born Israelites or foreigners, they have blasphemed the Lord.
This has been another edition of Bread for the Broken, and all of us here are so glad that you joined us today. The message you just heard was from the Book of Numbers, where Pastor James has been camping out. Our existence could definitely be seen as dotted with hills, valleys, streams, and rivers, couldn't it? I wonder if we would realize the evidence of God in our lives if we were to map it out on a piece of paper. You'd see where he showed up and where he corrected behavior or maybe where he changed our course. Numbers is a book detailing the Israelites' desert stay after leaving Egypt. In it, we can see how disobedience and defiance don't go unnoticed. God is patient, but there comes a point when our actions deserve redirection, deserve a consequence. We can't follow God and obey what He says if our eyes are always focused on ourselves or our circumstances. So, what do you think? Are you ready for a shift in focus? Are you ready to find hope and new life in Jesus? If so, we'd love to pray with you and walk through that decision with you here at Bread for the Broken. Just visit us at breadforthebroken.com. Another way that you can connect with us is through our Facebook live stream. It's a great way to connect and learn from afar. We're a laid-back church in Galveston, Texas, that just wants to magnify Jesus at all ages. Will you help us in this mission? On our website, breadforthebroken.com, there's a donation link. It's easy to use, so we encourage you to check it out. We're so glad that you were able to sit and soak in the words of Jesus today with Pastor James. We look forward to meeting with you again next time, here on Bread for the Broken.